0: It's a hump day, everybody. How are we doing? Would you try to avoid getting drafted by the Bengals if you were Joe Burrow? Is he pulling an Eli Manning or is it a John Elway? More questions this morning for you. Is the XFL surpassing the NHL in just two weeks? And how big a QB problem do they have in the XFL? It is a hump day, home and home. I'm Dave Briggs on the road in Colorado. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania. A lot to discuss this morning, including Rob Manford, MLB commissioner. Has he gone and made it worse again? Has he done anything right throughout this entire process, handling the Astros' sign-stealing cheating scandal? The Ross Tucker, happy Wednesday, sir. I gotta tell you, the altitude out here in Colorado, it is my home state, but it is devastating for a guy who lives on the East Coast, man. I am struggling to just feel normal, to feel any energy at all. It takes twice the coffee out here. How are you doing this morning?
1: First of all, I'm fantastic. Second of all, can you stop complaining? Can you just (laughs) stop? You're back in Colorado, there's snow, you're around family. What, what is, how is the altitude kicking your butt? In what way?
0: As soon as I get here, there are altitude headaches. Clearly, you're not familiar with what high altitude does to you if you don't take it well. Headaches throughout, low energy, feeling uh, tired. I mean, there are people that have to get hooked up to oxygen tanks out here, so I'm actually feeling pretty happy that I don't have it as bad as them, but no, not 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 complaining. I, I am probably a glass half empty sort of guy, but you know that by now.
1: Right. So you know what I do when I go out to Colorado, and by the way, I'll be in Vail in a couple of weeks, or when I go out to Utah skiing, I'm at high elevation. I kick some ass. That's what I do. Okay. I don't notice headaches. I don't notice being tired. I notice me in my big orange jacket. At almost 6'5", 250 pounds, coming coming barreling down the mountain, and you better get out of my way because homie don't play, I kick ass. That's what I do. Now, I will say this in fairness, Dave, I'm busting your chops a little bit. I do remember last year I went out with some college buddies to Keystone and two years ago to Vail with high school buddies, and uh, some of the guys did say they were affected by the altitude it did bother them so this is one of those points in life where you can either be very understanding and empathetic (laughs) of the issues that altitude has on some people or you can call your friends a wussy and tell them to suck it up have another beer and let's go
0: You know what I am going to have? I'm not going to have a beer yet because it's 634 a.m. mountain time. I am going to have what I'm holding here, which is one of the best things about Colorado. I'm sure they have it everywhere, but not where I am in Connecticut. This is a Krispy Kreme donut for you guys that are watching us on the Radio.com app. There are few things better in the world, Ross, than a fresh Krispy Kreme glazed donut. I cannot resist that. I mean, I could eat six of these things. I'll just eat one. But I got to tell you, have you had a fresh Krispy Kreme? And is there anything you find more irresistible? I
1: absolutely love Krispy Kreme donuts. But I got to tell you, I don't have very many donuts. Number one, I do intermittent fasting. So I don't eat till 1030 right after the show is over. So then I'm almost kind of past the donut window and number two, I'm just much more of an ice cream guy. So like if I'm going to splurge, it is ice cream. Um, and then maybe cookies or brownies, then maybe like cake and Mm. pie are way low. Celebrated daughter's birthday on Sunday. I'm not here for the cake. I I double up on the ice cream. Now, somebody did bring some Dunkin' Donuts munchkins. I do like a munchkin. Like, I like munchkins and I like Krispy Kreme. So I like both of those for sure. By the way, do you find it ironic that you were taking Spike Eskin to task on the show recently about the unfair advantage that denver teams have like the nuggets and yet here you are complaining about how rough the altitude is like you were saying that spike eskin was so wrong that they there is no advantage blah 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 blah, blah and now you're here complaining about it and making it clear that there is an advantage for the denver teams
0: i've spoken to most uh i've spoken to a lot of athletes about this across football baseball and basketball and they tell me that there's one in 10 guys on their teams that that do struggle an awful lot with it but most guys have told me it's little or no effect on them not sure why not sure if it's because they travel around so much i never travel i stay in one spot for well 330 days a year unlike you so the, the athletes i've spoken to uh from Denver teams and non-Denver teams, say it's not as big an issue as some like to make it. But there is certainly a Ryan Clark-type guy on every team. So, look, I just think it's negligible. And I think for those guys that travel around the country all the time, you are in, you are out before your body really has much of a chance to adjust. You played here, I'm sure. Did you feel it? Twice. uh, My rookie year and in the playoffs
1: with the Patriots, In 05, the only playoff game, Dave, I ever played in was also Tom Brady's first playoff loss ever. Brady was undefeated in the playoffs until they actually put me in, and I ruined everything. Now, in fairness, I only played on the extra point team and field goal teams. I don't think I was the uh, deciding factor in that football game. So um, I didn't really notice it because when I was with the Redskins as a rookie – I was inactive, so I was just sitting there eating a hot dog or whatever. And then with the Patriots in the playoff game, I didn't really notice it like in pregame warmups that much. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I think I was so excited to actually be suiting up and playing in the playoff game, it didn't really, didn't really affect me that much. So maybe if I actually was like a starter for that game and playing the whole game, it would have been different.
0: You were just excited to be here. What about Joe Burrow, though? Is he excited just to go number one overall in the upcoming NFL draft? Not necessarily. It sounds as though, if you read the tea leaves, that Joe Burrow is considering pulling an Eli Manning, or as we know it here in Denver, Colorado, as a John Elway. And thank God John Elway pulled a John Elway because we have several Super Bowls to thank for that. But this all started with Carson Palmer saying that the Cincinnati Bengals had never been committed to winning. Well, who coaches Joe Burrow? Carson Palmer's brother, Jordan Palmer. And the speculation has grown and grown and grown that Burrow does not want to play in Cincinnati despite the fact that he went to high school in Athens, Ohio. Not just that, but Joe Burrow took his Heisman Trophy winning moment, that famous speech when he accepted the trophy And used it to raise money for Athens County Food Bank. Nearly $500,000 was raised in Athens County, Ohio to help feed the poor and the homeless. So this is a very difficult situation, I suppose, for Joe Burrow, who's going to go number one overall, whose parents live in Ohio and apparently does not want to get drafted by the hometown Cincinnati Bengals. And then... He says in front of the media, now some say he was only repeating something a member of the media said, but Joe Burrow said these three words, I have leverage, leading to even more speculation. What's happening here, Ross? And with that, our poll question, would you try to avoid getting drafted by the Bengals if you were Joe Burrow, an organization that has not won a playoff game since 1991? What would you do? Do you like the way he's playing it?
1: Uh, so, first of all, no, I would not try to avoid being drafted by the Bengals. However, I think it is fair to say I never played for the Bengals. So, I don't really know what it's like. What I do know is I think Cincinnati's pretty awesome. I have a couple friends that live in Cincinnati. I really like that city, I think their uniforms are pretty awesome. And let's not act like this is the worst team in the history of the world, okay? I mean, within the last, what, nine years, ten years, they went to the playoffs five straight years with Andy Dalton, by the way. So Andy Dalton's never been better than, what, the 15th best quarterback in the NFL? So if I'm Joe Burrow, Dave, if I'm a big baller, I'm thinking, If Andy Dalton can get these dudes to playoffs five straight years, I can go to conference championship games. I can go to Super Bowls. I'm better than Andy Dalton. So I don't really understand what he's so upset about. You know, this isn't the Browns who have been so terrible forever. And by the way, Baker Mayfield didn't do this shit with the Browns. Baker Mayfield, and maybe you could argue he should have. I don't know. Uh, But Baker Mayfield didn't do this with the Browns. I don't love it, um, and what I really don't like about it is number one, he's clearly changed his tune. So initially he was like, I, I I'm happy to I'm happy to go anywhere where they're gonna draft me and pay me money to play football. Like he was, he and I love that attitude. Like I'm happy to go, let's do it, number one pick, let let's play. But then he talked to some people, and whether it's Carson Palmer or his brother Jordan Palmer, or maybe it's his agent, Tom Condon, who was instrumental in the Eli Manning, forcing his way out of the Chargers. He's sort of changed his tune a little bit, and I get it. The Bengals are not thought of as one of the better organizations in the NFL, And I think he thinks this is my one career, my one shot. I'd rather go to a better organization. I'd rather go to an organization that I feel like is committed to winning Super Bowls. That's kind of what he said without saying the Bengals aren't. He has said he wants to go somewhere that is committed to winning Super Bowls. I guess one of my questions would be, where does he think he's going? Like the Dolphins? The Chargers? Like what what is the team that he thinks he's going to that's so much better than the Bengals? That's the that's one part. I mean, Dave, this I could talk about this for the whole show, because there's so many different fascinating angles to it. The second thing is, he has every right, every right to try to do what's best for his career. But dude, he he's like trying to middle it. You know what I mean, Dave? Like, he he's trying to subtly put it out there that he doesn't want to play for the Bengals without making it clear. It's like, in my mind, just say it, dude. Like, if you don't want to play there, say, I don't want to play for the Bengals. If they draft me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the draft. I'm not going to play for the Bengals. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. What he's doing now is he's kind of beating around the bush, yeah. which I don't really like. And if I were a Bengals fan, it would it would piss me off. It's like, dude, we want you. You know, we're diehards here. You'd be the number one pick. You could help get us back to where we were and even beyond. You know, they've been to Super Bowls. Boomer Esiason. I mean, Kenny Anderson. They've been. It it, like I just, I don't know. I, I I would not care for it if I were a Bengals fan at all.
0: Certainly I would not. We will have one of the most diehard Cincinnati Bengals fans on the planet later in the program. Name is Jeff Lanham, who spent 50 plus days on the roof of his bar committed to staying there until the Cincinnati Bengals won a football game. Thank God they only went 0-11, so we didn't have to spend an entire NFL season atop his roof. But, Would I, back to our poll question, would I want to play for the Cincinnati Bengals? Absolutely not. The problem is, and the reason he has to take this middle road, is because of that Heisman speech, because he raised about $500,000 for a, a food bank, because he went to high school in Athens, Ohio, because his parents lived there, and because he realizes ultimately, how much leverage do I have at the end of the day? Can I pull off? What John Elway and Eli Manning did? Very unlikely. Can't imagine that he pulls it off. And to your point, the question really is how many places in the top draft order are great spots, are great landing spots? Cincinnati, one. Washington, two. No. Detroit, three. Not really. Giants, they're all set at the position. Miami, rebuilding, but still not a terrific organization so you got to get down there to the Chargers and most likely does he want to play for Joe Brady and the Carolina Panthers who went 5 and 11 last year certainly if I'm If I'm Joe Burrow, I'm going to do whatever I can to try to get there to Carolina, to play with Christian McCaffrey, to play with the guy that instrumented my incredible record-breaking senior season at LSU, Brady, who will now try to rebuild that Carolina Panthers offense. I would do absolutely as much as I could to get away from Cincinnati because i I haven't seen any evidence that this is organization that can turn it around. Seven straight playoff losses. Again, 1991. Have they ever done what it takes? Have they shown that they have the right owners, the right GMs, the right coaches over the years? Zach Taylor deserves a shot, but it was a rough first year. It was ugly. There's no real optimism about Zach Taylor other than Joe Burrow. Now, what you like about Zach Taylor is he played quarterback in college and he was a quarterback's coach at three different stops along the way, so certainly knows the position and wants to build around Joe Burrow. But yeah, man, I would do everything I could to try to get to a better better landing spot, in particular, Charlotte. But how much leverage does Burrow have? What can he really do? Can he pull off an Eli Manning?
1: So here's the thing, too, Dave. If If you're Joe Burrow, though, wouldn't it be smarter to say, I would love to be a Bengal, love to be the number one pick, and then have your agent behind the scenes be like, dude, he does not want to play for you guys. He's going to sit out. He's saying the right things, but he's not going to play for you guys. Like, I, I just, the way he's going about it, and, and frankly, you know, he talked about his process and how the Bengals have a process. And maybe that means when he meets with the Bengals, he's going to tell him he doesn't want to be there. Maybe it means that he wants to talk with them first and see how committed they are to winning and see if he's a fit with Zach Taylor before saying, yes, I in fact do want to be a Cincinnati Bengal. And if that's the case, I guess I can respect that. But I'd be having my agent do the dirty work. I don't remember Eli Manning saying anything Dave, I don't know about you, and, I, and let me say this too. Mike Brown is the one owner that would illogically and maybe irrationally just have Joe Burrow sit out the whole year rather than let him force his hand and trade him. Mike Brown, like if 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 Joe Burrow tries to pull this off, Mike Brown might draft him anyway have him sit anyway because Mike Brown doesn't do necessarily what's logical or what's rational. And maybe that's Joe Burrow's point in the first place. But let me just say this, Joe Burrow, if you're listening or watching, I I wouldn't try Mike Brown, bro. I wouldn't. I mean, he's, he's up there in age. He's pretty stubborn, set in his ways. That's pretty clear. He might just say, you know what? This 23-year-old kid isn't, isn't making us look bad, isn't forcing my hand. I'll make mm. him sit out the whole year. He's got to wait for his money, $36 million fully guaranteed. And oh, by the way, by next year, if he goes back in the draft, maybe Trevor Lawrence goes number one. Maybe Justin Fields goes number two. Maybe Joe Burrow starts losing money if he sits out a whole year.
0: Right, and ultimately, I think that's the play. I don't think there is enough leverage today. I don't think sitting out a year is a realistic opportunity for him. But look, again, I would do whatever I can. But the NFL is just one of those situations, Ross, that how many quarterbacks go to bad organizations and completely turn things around? You look at the top 20 quarterbacks over the history of the game, and they went to well-run organizations, well-owned organizations. Football is a brutal situation where if you go to the wrong spot, you're screwed, man. Like, hold on I mean, a second. He
1: could, hold on a second, okay.
0: The Broncos weren't
1: good when Elway went there.
0: They weren't good. It was a it was a well thought of organization, right? And he wanted to avoid Indianapolis, which at the time was not. Now, yes, they were not a good organization, but they were well thought of at the time. And he preferred to play there. Um,
1: let me ask you this though, Dave, you, you have a son. Okay. Or even you, would you really do it though? Like pretend you're Joe Burrow. Think everything through. I, You know, it's a weird thing, Dave, because having played, I am so for, guys doing what's best for them. Like when a guy holds out or whatever, I am so for that. It is a brutal sport. I have some pain somewhere every day. I want every guy that's in college, NFL, that's capable to maximize the experience they get out of this sport and the financial security they get out of this sport. We still don't even know necessarily what the long-term ramifications are in terms of the hits to the head. I, I I hope every guy gets as much money and has the best career they can. But at the same time I say that and there's just something about it that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And I distinctly remember in 2004 when I was going into my fourth year and Eli Manning did this, I didn't like it. And maybe you can say it was a great decision, and Eli went on to win two Super Bowls in New York with the Giants, stable franchise, stable family. But I didn't like it then, and I I don't like it now. First of all, San Diego's freaking amazing, Eli. That would have been an unbelievable place to live. Like, get a house on the beach? Are you kidding me? Number one, number two, the chargers were actually really good. Like after that for years, 05, 06, 07. I mean, they were really good. So who's to say he wouldn't have won Super Bowls there. Um, so it just, there's something about it that you're going to get the number one, you're going to be the number one overall pick. You're going to go to this city. You're You're going to get all that money. And trying to avoid being drafted there might be the best business decision, but it's still, and maybe this is like the do-boy undrafted free agent player in me, Dave, but there's still something about it that rubs me the wrong way. Way more than like a guy holding out or sitting out of a bowl game or whatever. There's something about this that bothers me a little bit. I don't know why.
0: I'm all for it. And, and apparently the audience is leaning that way as well. Nearly 1,000 people have voted and 58% of you have responded at RDC, home and home. Would you try to avoid getting drafted by the Bengals if you were Joe Burrow? Yes. 58% of you, 42% said, no, I think the only reason this is difficult for him and the only reason he is taking that middle path, I think if if he were not from the state of Ohio, I think he would be taking a far more aggressive stance and would be far more public about it. But let's be honest, I don't think he said anything at all offensive. The only thing we've heard come from the mouth of Joe Burrow was, again, those three little words that I uttered earlier, I have leverage. And from what I understand, he was repeating back uh, a sentiment offered up to him no, no, by no, no, a member of the media. Yeah, and that's they, all he said.
1: Yeah, but he's been asked enough about it now that he he's clearly beating around the bush. Like, he was asked if he wanted to be a Bengal, and he's like, you know, it'd be an honor to be number one pick, but I want to go somewhere where they want to win Super Bowls and they're committed to winning. He's like, he's said enough now that it's pretty clear— he was asked point blank twice if he wanted to be a bangle and he answered it with, you know, there's a lot of time between now and then they have a process. I have a pro dude. Come on, bro. Like we know what you're getting at. And, and by the way, in fairness to him, Dave, maybe it just is a process. And maybe he wants to learn more about the Bengals organization before he says publicly, yes, I want to be a Bengal. Maybe he wants to make sure that they will spend money, that they will, you know, they don't have an indoor facility. People make fun of them for that. You know, maybe he wants to make sure that they are willing to put the resources behind it. But I would say this. This is not the Lions, where Matthew Stafford happily went, or the Browns, where Baker Mayfield had, like, the Bengals have been to a couple Super Bowls, and not only that, within the last eight years, the Bengals went to the playoffs five straight years, with Andy Dalton as quarterback. They, I mean, you know how hard it is to go to the playoffs five straight years? So, they have proven they can put a consistent winner on the field. And they did that with an average quarterback. So like, if I'm the Bengals, Bengals should bring me in. I'd be like, Joe, dude, they went to the playoffs five straight years. Andy Dalton. They can build, they can draft well and build a good team around a quarterback. They need someone like you to take them to the next level and actually win those playoff games. I mean, I, I just yeah, – right. I think people are treating the Bengals like they're the 90s Bungles. They're not.
0: Yeah, they were 12-4. and 12-4 at the end of that five straight uh, seasons. So – but again, lost seven straight playoff games, and as former number one pick Steve Bartkowski told Burroughs' family that, quote, he should pull an Eli Manning, quote, I know what it's like to go to a bottom feeder team – I'd hate to see that happen to him. That's from Steve Bartkowski, former number one overall pick.
1: You know what I don't love about that, Dave? I don't love that it sounds like Bartkowski's making an excuse. You know what I mean? And and maybe there's some truth to it that the Falcons weren't good when he went there in the 70s. But it also kind of feels like Carson Palmer's making an excuse. It's like, hey, Carson, last time I checked – you had Chad Johnson, T.J. Zada I mean, you won the division. You hosted a home playoff game. Now you got hurt, and it's a shame. But they had some good players when Carson Palmer was there. You know, these guys, it kind of feels to me like they're making an excuse. Andy Dalton did more than Carson Palmer did. So I don't like when it sounds like these number one overall pick guys are making excuses
0: Bottom line is my prediction would be that Joe Burrow changes his tune when all is said and done and is happy to become a member of the Cincinnati Bengals, but we shall see. And we will also talk to one of the diehard members of Cincinnati Bengals Nation, a man by the name of Jeff Lanham, who spent more than 50 days on his roof to show his support. For the Bungles, or are they the Bengals? All right, we'll take a quick break here on Home and Home on a Hump Day. When we come back, we'll discuss the XFL. What you think over the weekend? Did you even watch, or were you watching the NBA All-Star festivities? And is the league, in two weeks, looking like it could surpass the NHL, at least in terms of a television audience? We've got some numbers that back that up, and Rob Manfred continuing to make matters worse in regard to the Astros sign stealing cheating scandal, that's all after a break.
1: Yeah, we need to give Robbie Manfred some five-hour energy, dude. I think that maybe that's the key. Look, whether you travel frequently or you get that 230 feeling, or you get that I keep saying stupid stuff feeling, five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life, Rob Manfred, with zero sugar, four calories and a convenient portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hard-working people. Now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes. I just got these, awesome. Strawberry Banana and Tropical Burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Five-hour energy shot can help you stay alert and energized wherever you may be headed
0: would you pull an Eli Manning if you were going to get drafted number 1 overall number 1 overall by the Cincinnati Bengals would you do anything in your power to get out of that situation that's the poll question this morning at RDC home and home and right now 58% of you would try to pull an Eli Manning or a John Elway and get your butt out of Cincinnati I think Joe Burrow in the end will change his tune and be thankful to be drafted by the Bungles. But we'll talk to one of their hardcore fans about what's happening right now. How does it feel to be a member of Bengals Nation? But what about the XFL, the other football? Is it surpassing the NHL in just two weeks? Is it more a part of the sports conversation in this country than hockey? some numbers bear that out. It is a hump day. Home and HomeRadio.com Sports Original we're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Excuse me, we're not we're not brought to you by Zip Recruiter. I'm almost forgetting 5 Hour Energy, <laughs> our new new friends. If I had a 5 Hour Energy earlier this morning, I wouldn't say stupid shit. But let's start with the XFL, Ross. Um, The XFL, week number two, I feel like was not part of the national dialogue in this country the way it was in week one. The curiosity factor had worn off. The attendance slipped a little bit. And needless to say, the television rating slipped a little bit. But what you see after two weeks of the XFL makes you think it has some real staying power and could even surpass the NCAA, the NBA, the NHL in terms of a television audience, and that's all they need to stick around. Here are the numbers, Ross. 2.127 million viewers on Saturday, almost 2.4 million viewers on average on Sunday for Week 2. That's despite some massive issues, in particular at the quarterback position, some sloppy play, low scoring, and some bad football The curiosity factor remains, Ross. Does it have real staying power in terms of a television audience?
1: Well, I got to tell you, Dave, I am surprised by those numbers. And I saw those numbers yesterday. The fact that nobody had even mentioned the numbers until Tuesday, I thought, oh, boy, they probably had a precipitous drop after the curiosity factor was gone because You know, the week before, I think they had announced Saturday's ratings on Sunday. You know, the next day they were like, oh, look, we had 3 million, 3.3 million people yesterday for the first day. People love the XFL. I thought, okay, yeah, let's see. But to still be over 2 million, Dave, you can monetize that. I mean, over 2 million people watching anything these days, you can absolutely monetize that. It's not the NFL. It's never going to be. But you can monetize that. It's interesting because I had about the same routine as I had the week before, Dave. Went skiing Saturday, got back, watched uh, a decent amount of the second game on Saturday, and I saw the clips from the first game with our guy Matt McGloin getting benched and kind of going off in the interview. We got to change the whole game plan at halftime, etc. And then Sunday... Uh, Same type of deal. I watched Seattle where they got 30,000 people to go to the game. I watched a decent amount of that game. You know, I guess my thoughts on it are as follows. It's still not appointment viewing. I don't think it's ever going to be. But I thought they did a pretty good job of hammering the betting stuff and hammering the interviews and the access. I mean, they're interviewing offensive and defensive linemen while they're on the bench during the game. They're interviewing McGloin. I don't want to say that the league has to be gimmicky, but that's kind of what they're going to have to do, right? Like, the unprecedented access, the betting, I mean, these are this is what they can do to make this thing sustainable give all kinds of unprecedented access as well as the betting stuff now i'll say this too dave i personally think that they need to have at least one game during the week on thursday night or monday night because on the weekend i'm doing shit like i'm with my family i'm doing stuff right we go out to dinner for my sister-in-law's birthday party here. We do this. We have my daughter's birthday. Like, I, on the weekend, you're doing stuff, especially if you have kids. But on a Thursday night or a Monday night at 8 o'clock, 8.30, I would watch that.
0: Yeah, That would
1: be one of my first recommendations to them.
0: I would do that as well. I don't find it appointment viewing. Week one, I sat down make sure I watched some of every game. Week two, I did not carve out a single minute for XFL time. There did happen to be some downtime over the weekend when I tuned in and out. I did want to see the Seattle crowd, but largely I'm watching it via social media. I'm not all that interested in sitting down and watching the product. I would, though, probably on an odd night, a Monday night, provided it were early enough for East Coast viewers Yeah, absolutely. Would take a look at an XFL game in primetime on a weekday. Think they'd have a much better shot. Or even move some of those games later in the evening, primetime, Saturday, Sunday night. I'm more likely to be sitting around on the couch uh, looking for something to watch. Look, but these numbers bear out. Those are better than the NBA. The XFL through two weeks is far better than the NBA. Now, week one was double it. But week two, after the curiosity factor had worn off, still solidly outperforming the NBA and some of the biggest stars on the planet like LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and Giannis. Outrating the NBA is a significant accomplishment, but the thing they've got to solve to me is the awful, miserable quarterback play, and I'm sorry that Matt McGloin was part of it, eight of 19 for 44 yards and two interceptions, the highlight, of course, was the interview with ESPN going to the locker room, blasting the game plan. Not so brilliant when you're playing that way, but overall, the quarterback playing the league is just, I don't want to call it mediocre because it's not that good. If you take away P.J. Walker, who's fun to watch and could find himself in the NFL next season, and you take away Cardell Jones, who plays for D.C., been pretty solid, doesn't look like an NFL prospect uh, the way he did out of Ohio State. Take away those two. The interception, the touchdown to interception ratio is 13 to 17. If you take away the top two quarterbacks in the league, every other quarterback looks below mediocre so they're not scoring points, not a whole lot of opportunities for the three-point extra point uh, and some of the things that we want to tune in for. The problem is Look at the NFL. There's not 32 great quarterbacks in the NFL. So how are they going to develop that position at the XFL? To me is the number one question. Because according to our friends at Track Ross, 59 NFL quarterbacks finished last season making a million dollars plus per year. That's the problem. The XFL caps those quarterbacks right around 500000 dollars To me, what they need to do, I like your idea about some weekday games. They've got to up one large salary exemption per team. And I'm not sure what the ceiling is, if it's one or even two or even three million dollars to maybe have a shot at a Kaepernick, maybe have a shot at a Tim Tebow, who they did kick the tires on that, or maybe draw an RG3 type of figure away from the NFL, someone who wants to prove that they're a starter in the league. That's what it's going to need to me. The poor quarterback play is killing me. You know,
1: what's interesting about that, Dave, and we've talked about this previously, is that they are paying the quarterbacks much more than every other player. And in fact, they went out, And made it a point to get guys like Josh Johnson, Landry Jones, Matt McGloin. These are all guys with a bunch of NFL starts. A a lot of NFL experience that you wouldn't look at it and be shocked if they were on NFL roster as a backup right now. You know, Landry Jones, there were teams that wanted to sign him last year. But the XFL said no. Same with Josh Johnson. So they are NFL caliber quarterbacks. They're not NFL caliber starting quarterbacks, but I got news for you. You're not getting NFL starting caliber quarterbacks in the XFL. It's not going to happen. So then the question is, is it more about better quarterback play, Dave? Or you mentioned Tim Tebow. He's not better than these guys. Is it more about (laughs) the name recognition or is it more
0: about just more competence? It's one or the other, bro. I either need some star power, some curiosity factor, and yes, Colin Kaepernick is more talented that I, I look politics aside and the taking a knee, more talented than any guy that we're seeing play in the XFL today. Apologies to, to Cardell Jones and to PJ Walker. That's a guy that is more talented than any of those quarterbacks. But yes, it's either I need better play, better quarterback play, or I need some star power curiosity factor that's going to make me tune in and to see how a guy performs. But I suppose ultimately, to your point, that would wear off. The Tim Tebow like curiosity factor would probably wear off after one week. Whereas if you can improve the play overall at the position, maybe that would help. And I think, look, the league's going to need some time. They're going to need an opportunity to maybe Try to lure, and I don't think you'll ever get a Trevor Lawrence type guy, but maybe you'll get a quarterback who wants to get out of college football after one season because of academic challenges or financial issues who's ready to come play in the XFL right away to show teams what what he's all about. It's going to need some time. This was fairly rushed and put together at the last second. Maybe that quarterback play can increase next season. Should they hang around? And I think Vince McMahon's got at least two or three years in him before he bails on this thing.
1: Well, I think he should at least do two years. But my guess would be that that's going to depend on how the ratings go the rest of this year. And I still wonder, Dave, if they, if people, even if even the new rules and even them talking about betting and even the access, I wonder if that's enough. You know, week one was curiosity, it seemed like. Week two got off to, I think, a good social media buzzworthy start with McGloin and the interviews. And I think that that compelled people to watch and be like, this is crazy. They're interviewing guys right after they're benched, interviewing guys at halftime. These guys are willing to say whatever. We need to check this out. Like, I want to check this out. But will even that wear off, in week three, four, five, six, seven. That's the question.
0: Yes, I think it will. Um, but look, we've got some very interesting numbers to discuss with the reporter from KMOX regarding one major sports city later in the program where you won't believe it. A Stanley Cup winning team being outrated by the XFL. If you are Vince McMahon, this is fantastic news. We'll talk about that later in the program. But back to our top story of the morning, which is Joe Burrow. Is he pulling an Eli Manning or a John Elway? And we asked you at RDC Home and Home, would you pull an Eli Manning and try to get out of playing for the Cincinnati Bengals? Who, in the words of uh, several quarterbacks, including Carson Palmer, have never done what it takes to commit to winning a Super Bowl. Let's talk about it with Jeff Lanham. Arguably the number one Bengals fan in the region. You'll remember Jeff because he lived on his roof of his bar for more than 50 days until the Bengals won a football game. How long were you up there, Jeff? Remind us.
2: I was up there 57 days.
0: 57 days spent atop your roof in what was a pretty cool man cave, but that was dedication as they went 0-11. and What's your reaction to the speculation that Juro Burrow might not want to play for your Bengals?
1: I don't think it's true, honestly. So, but he's – So, why do you say that, Jeff?
2: Uh, Just watching the local news where they've interviewed his parents here in Cincinnati – where he's been on Fox 19 and stuff and just their comments to the situation. It just doesn't sound like it's that he said something like that where he doesn't want to play there.
1: All right. So, but when they say to him, do you want to play for the Bengals? And he says, well, listen, it's early in the process. They have a process. I've got a process. We'll see. Like that doesn't, that doesn't piss you off that he won't say, I want to play for the Bengals, your team? No, not really. I mean, if if
2: I was in a situation, I'd probably say the same thing, just so it wouldn't like look like to other teams in the NFL, like, you know, in case if he didn't want him, then he, they might not be his option also. You know, he just keeps it open to anybody.
0: Jeff Latham with us, who spent 50 50- plus days on the Hog Rock Cafe, while the Bengals went 0-11. and Jeff, so here's your opportunity. Here's your chance to speak directly to Joe Burrow, because of course he's listening. What's your message to Joe Burrow about who the Cincinnati Bengals are and why he should want to play for them?
2: I think if if I could tell him something, why not be the first quarterback ever to win a championship for a team that's never won a championship? Do, the, uh, do something that nobody else has done.
1: So, Jeff, I know that you don't think Burrow doesn't want to play for the Bengals. Like, I, I, I get that. But let's just say it comes out and he says – he doesn't want to play for the Bengals, which, by the way, I don't think he does want to play for the Bengals. But let's say <laughs> he comes out and he actually says that, then how would you feel? Well, I definitely wouldn't want to have somebody
2: playing for me uh, that that didn't. I don't think that's a good idea at all. Then I would go the other route because Cincinnati, you know, I don't know if it's true or not. Looks like they've got a lot of people wanting Joe Burrow and wanting to give them a, you know, a lot of picks for it. And I would take that route and go with what's best
1: for my team. Does it bother you, Jeff, that all these fans on social media are saying they don't blame Joe Burrow who would want to play for that train wreck of an organization. I wouldn't want to play for them either. We got a poll question going, Jeff. And more than 50% of the people are saying, they would try to avoid being drafted by the Bengals. Does that bother you? Yeah,
2: it does bother me. I think it should bother the actual ownership and the organization more than it bothers the fans, but unfortunately, that's not how it works.
0: It's been since 1991, of course, Jeff, that your Bengals – won a playoff game, seven straight losses in the postseason. So can't you understand that a guy has some hesitation for playing for an organization that is famous for not winning postseason games?
2: What was that again?
0: (laughs) My point is that the Bengals – haven't won a playoff game since 1991. Right. So don't you don't you understand a guy being somewhat hesitant about wanting to come play for them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I understand that, but, you know, I don't know. When I played sports growing up, it really didn't matter to me what team I played on. I went out there and I wanted to win every game no matter what it was. You know, sometimes you got to be that person that changes everything and makes a makes a new beginning
1: exactly jeff that's the attitude i like it all right so i want to go back to you living on the roof dude uh (laughs) how how good was that feeling when they won and you were able to come back and and live in your house it was
2: great man i uh it's
1: not that it was like physically
2: hard it was uh It was just extremely boring. I mean, you couldn't do anything. You're in a a 10 by 10 little tent, and that was it. The only time I left that thing was to go to the restroom, and I would come back in there and just to come down off the roof and know that I didn't have to go back up there. I actually, uh, I think I only went back in the tent two times after the time I came off, and the rest of it, I just pretty much donated the tent to the boy scouts here in our town. And
1: I let them take the tent down and stuff. I was finished with it. I didn't
2: mess with it ever again after I came out of there.
1: Jeff, are, am I detecting, are you getting a little bit emotional talking about how good of a feeling it was to finally be able to escape the tent? Oh yeah, it's
2: definitely hit. Uh, I mean, it was, it was getting kind of scary up there because I was thinking I was going to be up there for the rest of the year and then have to go back back up the following year. And uh, the boredom, I mean, it was so boring. Uh, people don't really understand. I would never uh, make that comment again. I'll tell you that.
1: Wow, man. What? But you had a TV and stuff and people would come visit you. What's so boring?
2: You can't just not being able to do anything. I mean. I know everybody, when they came up there and looked at it, and the big TV and a recliner and a cot, and you know maybe a little camping stand. It's, I always like to say, if everybody thinks it's easy, have at it, to stay in one spot, nonstop, not go anywhere, do anything, not being able to. I mean, I was able to, but I just didn't because I was keeping my word.
0: All right, Jeff Lanham, who spent more than 50 days atop his roof, in support of the at the time 0 and 11 Bengals, they'll clearly be better this year, and they'll they'll turn it around for you this season. Jeff, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. See you guys, Ross. Ross, how long would you last on your roof? Uh, not real long because the
1: roof isn't flat. It's, it's like well,
0: in a similar situation.
1: Uh, not very long. Um, but I also wouldn't make a comment like that. Look, I mean, I thought that was interesting that I would say Jeff on some level is in denial about Joe Burrow. And there are a lot of Bengals fans that are looking at it that way, which is, He didn't say that yet. He didn't say that. I don't think he really feels that way. I don't know, man. I think it's, uh, I think that's a little bit of a denial. I think it's pretty, I mean, Dave, it's pretty clear right now. He doesn't want to play for them, right? Like, otherwise he would say, I want to play for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's safe to say, and I think that's quite frankly understandable. And as I've said before, I think this is only natural the way he's playing it because of his Ohio roots. He's got to be very careful. He's got to go home again, and he realizes there's a likelihood that he, no matter how hard he fights, that he's still going to get drafted there. So I really understand the middle road in which he's taken to the public approach.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't. Stop beating around the bush. Go one way or the other. He's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Just say you want to play for the Bengals or say you don't.
0: All right, we'll continue to debate it. Let us know at RDC Home and Home, what would you do? Would you try to pull on Eli Manning if you were Joe Burrow and you were going number one? We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll discuss Rob Manford continuing to make situations worse, if that is even possible, that his apology go nearly far enough. We'll also discuss what's that one guilty food that you just You know, you're not proud of. You might eat at home. You only make it home, and you're not so proud that it goes into your stomach. We'll also talk to London Fletcher legendary Redskins linebacker. All 32 continues today with the Redskins offseason outlook and the burning questions for Ron Rivera's Redskins after a break.